0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So this past week, um, I served at, as the chaplain in residence at Camp Allen. Camp Allen is our diocesan's camp and conference center, our new diocesan camp and conference center, the Diocese of Texas. It's down in Navasota. Um, Most folks up here that I I say that to, they don't know where Navasota is. So basically you drive to College Station and turn left. To get to College Station, you drive to Waco and turn left. To get to Waco, just get on 35. So that's basically how you get down there. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places on earth. I think there's something special about camps, right? It's a summer camp that my my boys have gone to. There's just something about Camp and the atmosphere and the way it, it forms us—both the location, like we go to a place that's away, that's not home—but also, it's the people there. So, Lacey Largent is a friend of mine. She's the spiritual director at Camp Allen. She, as she says, she has the best job in the world, which I would disagree. I say I have the best job in the world, but she might be a close second. She, as she describes it like outside of our the bishops like she gets to know clergy and their families right cuz she's at summer camp when kids are there she's at events throughout the year when grown-ups are there whatever and so she she's seen my boys grow up she's seen clergy families grow up and what they've gone through and she was actually the last person that I saw before I moved to South Carolina a couple years ago cuz you see like if any of y'all have moved, you know it's chaos. If any of you had kids, you know it's chaos. You put those together. Right? So the boys went to summer camp, and then we did the packing and the loading of the truck and, and all of that. And so once the truck drove off, loaded up the cars, we drove to Navasota to pick up the boys to start the 1,000-mile journey to South Carolina, and Lacey was there. And I, I had actually kind of forgot about this, but we had lunch at Camp Allen this past week, and she reminded me, she's like, she said, I still think about the time that I got to pray for y'all. And she did. She tracked us down in line, picking up the boys, and after the trunks were loaded, this is a dog that isn't alive anymore, sorry. This is Dutch, and this is our cats, and everyone was loaded up, ready to go. And Lacey prayed for us, and Lacey blessed us, and we got to go on our way. My ministry, my life, my faith is deeper and stronger and better because of people like Lacey. My boy's life, my boy's faith, my boy's community is deeper and stronger and better because of people like Lacey. And I'm sure we all have people like Lacey in our own lives. Paul and Timothy certainly did. So we're continuing looking through the letters to Timothy, and if you remember back to last week, I joked, and we wrapped up 1 Timothy last week, we started 2 Timothy, and I joked that obviously all the stuff that Paul said in the first letter to Timothy didn't work because he had to write a second letter. That's not exactly true. So the setting here, right, is Paul is in prison. Paul is in a Roman dungeon probably knows his days are numbered, right? And so he writes to Timothy, and Timothy is someone who followed along with him. Timothy's actually named in half of Paul's letters. You know, last week we talked about some of Paul's letters are like really joyous and eloquent, and the other are like, guys, just stop being knuckleheads. The the outline of his letters are basically this. There's lots of memes for Paul because he's a really memeable guy. Basically, grace to you. I give thanks to God for you. Here's all the things you need to know. I'm going to say bye, and oh yeah, Timothy says hi. Basically, every letter is along those lines. Timothy is important enough in Paul's life. Timothy is important enough in the early church's life that he gets included in half of these letters. And then so Paul's writing, one of the last things Paul writes, one of the last things Paul wants to say as he knows his days are coming to an end, is is he writes to Timothy. He says, my beloved child, my son. Paul is passing on this legacy that he has. Paul is passing on what he knows, what he believes, what he wants. He's passing along this treasure, as Paul calls it, to Timothy. Now, Timothy was was born to a a Greek dad and a Jewish mom, and then he eventually became a follower of the way, an early follower of Jesus, and and he tagged along with Paul on these missionary journeys. And then Timothy stayed put in Ephesus and became the leader of that church, eventually became the bishop of Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to Timothy as, as this person who he saw grow up in the faith. And Paul's using these last words of his to assure Timothy that the faith and the love and the hope that he has is going to endure. And in our reading today, what what really struck me, starting in verse 5, Paul, who has seen Timothy grow up in the faith, he, he says this, Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Paul is reminding Timothy of this treasure, this gift, this faith that first lived in his grandmother, then continued on through his mother, and now, I'm sure, Paul says, lives in you. And so Paul is reminding Timothy of this this legacy of faith that, that cultivated and developed and grew his life and his ministry. And then he goes on to tell him, don't be ashamed of continuing that legacy on. Carry that faith with you as you reach the people in your community. Continue that legacy. Take your place in this line that began with your grandmother, continued with your mom, is now with you, and is someday going to come to someone after you. And we are the inheritors of that legacy. Of this operation that started with Jesus and then was carried out by his disciples and eventually found its way to a woman named Lois, a woman named Eunice, a kid named Timothy, and then to all these other people. And eventually came down to a woman named Margaret, a man named Dale, or Beth, or Peter, or Lacey, and then to me. And you have your own legacies of faith. You have your own lineage in which you are playing the part right now. And you hold that piece right now that was handed down from somebody given to you for a time. And your job, our job, is to hand that faith on to someone else. So this past week at Camp Allen, when you, when you serve as the chaplain there, especially during the fall, right, It's a different thing every day. Different groups come in. There was everything from like people from the University of Texas um, Health Center were there. People from a community electricity cooperative were there. So it's all sorts of groups. But kind of my trip was bookended by these two groups. The first was the retired clergy from the diocese. Right, So I got to, to hang out with some of these folks. I was Kind of like the mascot of the North Region, Bishop Mayer was there, and he was like, hey, if you want to know anything about the North Region, I'll answer questions or you can talk to this guy. Uh, So I got to hang out with folks, and as much as I wanted to, I tried to get Church Pension Group to give me enough credited service so I could actually be at the Retired Clergy Conference, but they didn't fall for it. I still got a little ways to go. But at this conference, I finally got to meet Jim McGill. That name probably doesn't mean anything to any of you unless you happen to attend Christ Church Cathedral in Houston in the 2000s. Because Jim was a priest on staff there, and one of his responsibilities was to do the Wednesday Eucharist. And in a past life, I worked in an office building in downtown Houston, and I was a parishioner at a church out in the suburbs. You know how you do. But every Wednesday, not every, sorry, as many as I could, not enough Wednesdays, I would walk down to the cathedral, I would sit in the back of the chapel, I'd listen to Father Jim's sermon, I'd have the Eucharist, and then I would go back to work. This became a pattern that helped shape me. This became something that that nourished me in my faith journey and, and helped bring me to where I am today, and so I could walk up to Jim this past week and say, thank you, and he could look at me and say, who are you? because he had no idea the impact he had. He was just doing his job. And then at the end of the week, there was, a, it's actually four different churches, one in Dallas, three in Houston. They're young adults. As chance would have it, I've attended all of these churches, and so I knew folks there. Their young adults had a young adult retreat, and so there were, you know, 100 or so young adults running around. and And I was, again, in a past life, I was was part of the first young adult group at one of these churches at Incarnation in Dallas. And so, like I was introduced to the group and and all of this, and they, first off, they didn't share that at the very first of these young adult retreats way back when, I probably shouldn't say this with the the camera on, but I I nearly burned down a cabin. Fortunately, they didn't share that. I'm sharing that with y'all. But what they did share is that at Incarnation, I was, was part of a group of folks who helped plant a new congregation called Uptown. Right? I lived in Uptown Dallas, which was a bunch of young adults with no kids and too much money and too much time on their hands. And I was, was part of a group that started this congregation that we started basically in a church basement. 20 years later, they've got a huge building and it. Like, Uptown is a thing, right? And so they shared this that as part of my connection with this group. And then the next morning at breakfast, a husband and wife walked up to me. And this wife looked at me and said, My husband goes to church because of Uptown. So thank you. And I looked at him and said, Who are you? (laughs) Because I had no right. All I did was pick up the coffee at Starbucks and show up. All I did was just what we do as Christians we do our part. And we never know what part that is going to play in someone else's someone else's journey of faith. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. It doesn't have to be something out of the ordinary. It just has to be showing up, letting people know they're loved and being part of the community. I think about this place, right? in a little bit in our prayers of the people, we're going to pray for St. Christopher's in Fort Worth. Their priest owes part of her legacy to this place. And so we can all look at St. Christopher's from here on out and know that we, in some small way, have played a part in their legacy. This place has raised up people for service in the wider church. This place has raised up people for ordained ministry. This place has provided food and clothes and love and support for folks who are never going to know any of our names and who we would never recognize if we saw them at breakfast at Camp Allen. But none of that matters. We have our part to play in this legacy. So who are the Loises and the Eunices and the Timothys in our life? Who are those people that helped us know that we are loved, helped us know that we were created in God's image, that helped us know that we are welcome, helped us know that God is real? So I said this at 8 o'clock, and I think people thought it was a rhetorical question. It's literally not. Like, who are these people? Beth. Peter. Who else? Let's hear some names. Oh. Yeah, Maybe if you're like 8 o'clock, you'll like find me an hour later and be like, oh, I thought of somebody, and that's okay. But hopefully you'll go throughout the day and think about those people who've been a part of your legacy. Jim Reynolds, yeah. Father Reeves. You're a part of a lot of people's legacy, I can guess. And Susan. Blow. Blow. And we could name everybody here. Yeah, We could name everybody here. And who gets to be part of that legacy next? Who are the people in our lives who we get to pour into, who we get to let them know God loves them, that they are welcome, that they're created in God's image? won't make you name names. Y'all can continue to be shy. But I'm going to sit down. And we're going to have a little bit of silence. And I want us to think about those people. Whoever they are. Our kids. People we walk through life with. Someone we may never, ever meet or know. Who are they? Let's pray for them.